got a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, uh, beginning a new series uh, this morning uh, called Revival. Uh, revival, as we know, right, as you're turning there, as we know, uh, revival is in the air. Hallelujah. Uh, the, God is at work and moving right uh, in and, and amongst uh, uh, folks here in, uh, in this country, right? We see revival taking place and uh, on different college campuses. And man, it's spreading to the church, uh, spreading to the church. And so we uh, uh, want to highlight uh, that and lean into that a little bit and just speak to uh, this reality that, uh, man, uh, God wants to do a work in and through uh, us as well. He wants to revive us again, wants to revive us again. And, and the reality is, uh, if we choose to be folks, and we're going to talk about it here in a second, if we choose to be folks that position ourselves uh, and make ourselves ready for when he does send the revival rain, man, we will experience that revival. I've come to understand this reality, and we see it all throughout Scripture. We can't manufacture revival, right? We can't manipulate God into bringing revival. But bless God, hey, we can prepare ourselves for when he does decide to send his revival reign. We can't position ourselves. Matter of fact, I love what the old uh, theologian G. Campbell Morgan said regarding revival. The uh, uh, quote's on the screen there. It says this, we cannot organize revival, but we can set ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once Again, and we can prepare ourselves for revival, which, by the way, revival is hey, you know, a an awakening, uh, if you will. Right. Uh, uh, this reality of, of us rising from sleep as we walk through life. It's so easy to uh, to fall victim to being mundane in our Christian life or our Christian life simply being, you know, something that we do out of road or routine. So every once in a while, bless God. Hey, we need to be revived again. We need to have the joy of our salvation restored, as Psalm 51, 12 tells us. And the Lord is wanting to do that in our midst. I'll let you in real quick to picture of my time with the Lord. Been going through the beginning part of Genesis once again in my quiet time. And it's interesting. Adam and Eve, obviously, you know, they sinned. They, you know, listened to the serpent, ate from the fruit of the tree. And then Cain chose to, in Genesis 4, kill his brother because he was jealous of the fact that his sacrifice was accepted and uh, or Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't. And here's what I got to understand, Brother Dwayne, a common denominator in those two, man, and why those folks ended up in a mess. Man, they chose to live lives full of themselves at the end of the day. Here's the truth of the matter today. Listen, you cannot experience revival, right? The Lord cannot, man, fill you up, pour into you. Man, if you're full of yourself, you've got to choose to empty yourself. Empty yourself. And in doing so, man, you set the sails for when the wind of the Lord blows in your life. And we see a group of people that choose to do that in Acts uh, chapter 1. And so uh, if you're there, Acts chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse uh, 14. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And we're going to read these verses together. Um, The book of Acts written by uh, Dr. Luke, one of the 12 disciples and uh, really, this is volume two of his writing. He wrote uh, the gospel according to Luke here. And then we see here, right, uh, he, he writes about man life after Jesus ascends in the beginning of the first century uh, church. And so this is what the word of the Lord 
says. It says this in the first book. Oh, Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Let me pause there and speak to uh, give you a little uh, free theology. Go ahead and throw this at you free of charge here. Right. Uh, the um, uh, theology of the Holy Spirit. Right. Some folks ask, wait a second. I thought, man, whenever we're saved, man, hey, we receive all of uh, the spirit of God when we're saved. Yes, that is true. And then folks ask, well, what about the disciples here? It says that, man, they were going to get baptized about it here. Well, can I go ahead and encourage you? Hey, the disciples, they lived during a unique time in the history of the world. Right. They had Jesus, the son, walking with them. And then, right, he died, rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. And he promised his Holy Spirit that was going to come and, and fill them. Uh, and so what you see take place, right, when what we'll see in, in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, what you see take place, right, is the shift from, right, the old covenant ministry of the Holy Spirit to the new covenant ministry of the Spirit. And, and so you've got to understand, right, this is just speaking to a context, right? Whenever one is saved, man, you receive all the Spirit of God. You don't just receive a little bit of it, you receive all the Spirit of God. And then the daily call for us is, as uh, uh, Ephesians 5.18 tells us, is not to be filled with wine, but rather be filled with Spirit. Daily choosing, right, to invite the Spirit of God to fill our lives, to lead us, to guide us. Just want to go ahead and and clarify that. Man, there's only one baptism of uh, the Spirit, and that comes whenever you come to know Christ. You're saved. But there are daily feelings. You choosing to die to yourself every single day and ask for the Spirit of God to fill you. Usually you, you got to pay for that, man, but I gave that to you free of charge. And so let's go ahead and keep rolling. Verse 6, what it says. So when they came together, or when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Right? We see the shift in perspective. Now, now we see the picture of the disciples there with Christ. He's getting ready to ascend. Verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. But verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out. Of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from uh, the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, son of James. 
man, those were the same folks that literally just a month and some change ago, man, ran away from Christ. Man, denied him. Yet we see them here, man, being faithful to pray. Man, aren't you glad for the restoring grace of God? Aren't you glad, man, for his marvelous grace? Hey, even though you've ran far away, hey, he's just a call away, man. You can choose to return home, man. That's a sermon in and of itself. Then verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. I love that Luke added Mary, the mother of Jesus here. Hey, we don't deify Mary. We don't need to pray to Mary. Man, we, hey, we have direct access to God, but man, Mary, hey, she was a woman who loved the Lord. Loved. And she was one, hey, she was one that was with Jesus from the womb to the tomb to the upper room, as we see here, man. She was faithful to the end. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. I've entitled the message simply this, positioning ourselves for revival. Positioning ourselves for revival. Man, we can't manipulate revival. We man, can't manufacture it, but we sure as, as we know how, man, we, hey, we can prepare ourselves and position ourselves for when the wind of God does blow in our lives to receive it. Why don't we pray together? Lord God, we love you. Lord, I pray as get ready to dive into your text here, Lord, I I pray that God, we would see uh, the reality that man, you want to revive our hearts again, Lord. I pray for the person in here that has been beaten up because it's been a long season for them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would and choose to lean into you that they'd understand that their hearts can be revived. I pray for the person that's just doing church. Lord, I pray that you would restore the joy of their salvation, Lord. Bring revival to their life. I pray for God, the person that it's been a while since and they've spoken to you, have heard your voice, Lord. I pray that God, you'd stir their affections for you more deeply, Lord. I, I just... Ask and pray uh, this morning, Lord, that we would be a people that position our hearts for uh, the revival reign that you wanted to bring, Lord. That we be ready for when you bring it for us to be able to receive it, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, Amen. We see the 120 people here in the upper room. They're preparing for, man, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so, man, they spend time uh, praying, man, and asking for the Lord, man, to send his spirit. We see them, hey, preparing themselves for revival. What's interesting is really the whole book of Acts is about revival. Right. We see, man, the, the, uh, the, the people of Israel, man, the people, the uh, God's chosen people, they, they're living a certain way. They think, man, uh, relation with God's a certain way. We see Jesus come on the scene, flip it on its head, and then we see the coming of the Spirit of God right in uh, Acts chapter 2. And we see, man, his ministry at work there. And people radically saved. Life's totally changed. Folks come to understand, hey, man, this whole Christianity thing is about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a whole bunch of rules. It's not about heritage. And the reality is, hey, anybody can come to know him. 
The book of Acts is a book about revival. It's about revival. And the call for us as his people, right, is to make sure we position ourselves like the folks in the 120 folks that were in the upper room and for when the revival rain does come. And so the question is, how do we position ourselves for revival based on what we see here in the past? How do we position ourselves? Well, I'm glad you asked. I see three ways here in the text that we position ourselves, man, for Revival for when it comes. The first way is this, man, we position ourselves for revival by choosing to believe in the Christ. We position ourselves for revival by choosing to believe in the Christ. Luke here in the first couple of verses here gives testimony. It's really his intro to the book. He gives testimony to uh, Jesus Christ. He speaks to the first volume that he wrote, uh, the, the gospel according to Luke. And he testifies to the reality of this Jesus he gives testimony, right, pertaining to the Christ. He gives testimony of who he is, how he lived, and what he did. And the reality is for us is, hey, the first step in experiencing revival is choosing to believe in the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the first step. See, Sister Mary, a lot of, man, a lot of folks, man, hey, they, they believe, you know, certain parts about Jesus. But, man, in order for us, man, the first step in positioning ourselves for revival is, is to believe, man, in all of who he was, not just the certain parts we like. Man, if I, if I could believe it, man, he was a real good teacher. I'm assuming he was a real cool guy. You know, the Chosen series, man, depicts him as a real cool, and, and he was those things. But hey, also, man, we gotta believe that he's Lord of our life. We gotta believe that he wants all of our heart. It's when we choose to believe in the Christ that we position ourselves for revival. What does that look like, believing in the Christ? Well, Luke talks about it here, man. It, it looks like first doing this, man, trusting in the person of Christ. Trusting in the person of Christ. Man, I, I hear it said all the time, right? Uh, uh, you know, folks that, that struggle to believe, man, hey, I need a sign from the Lord. Man, hey, I, 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 hey, I need, you know, him to paint it in the sky that he truly believes. Man, hey, I need to feel him, Brother Nick. Well, Luke says here, hey, you've got all the testimony you need. We have all the evidence. We've got the word of God, right? That, that speaks to the fact that he exists. We've got the church of God. Full of folks that experienced Jesus and their life is totally changed, right? We can give testimony if you are saved in here, right? You, you can give testimony of how Jesus has changed your life. And plus, man, hey, if, if you're one that needs a little uh, uh, historical data, there's plenty of that too, Brother Israel. That, that speaks to over 500 witnesses, man. Uh, spoke to the fact that Jesus did raise from the dead. They met him when he was resurrected. They saw the holes in his hand. Saw the holes in his hand. And so, man, he can be trusted. And the question, so the question is, man, how much more proof you need? How much more proof we need, Brother Tom? Man, we ought to choose to trust in the whole person of Christ. I love what 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 7 talks about. The uh, Apostle Paul, right, a dude that persecuted uh, Christians, right, radically saved, met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his life was totally changed. Right, I love what he says here, man, in his testimony about who this Christ is. This is what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 7, verses will be on the screen. It says it like this, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ, he did die. He died for our sins according, in accordance to the, with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Then, man, he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James 
than to all the apostles. Hey, listen, this Jesus, he can be trusted, man. Hey, do you, are, are you believing, man, in all of who Jesus said he is? Or just believing in certain parts of him? Hey, if you're one of those folks that believe just certain parts of him, man, hey, you're never going to experience revival. You're not going to be able to position your heart for revival. Man, we've got to trust in the person. But also, secondly, hey, listen, we've got to trust in uh, his promises. Trust in his promises. Luke here speaks to, right, uh, Jesus Whenever he was uh, resurrected, those 40 days he spent on earth, right, encouraging uh, uh, the disciples and the folks that were still following. Hey, remember what I told you, right? Remember what I told you in John 17? Hey, there's one that's coming, man, that's going to be even better for you. The Holy Spirit of God. He speaks to the promise of the Spirit of God coming, coming. He says, hey, I'm leaving, but don't you worry. Don't leave Jerusalem before you receive the Spirit of God is what he says there, man. Don't worry. Hey, the Spirit of God is coming. Spirit of God, third person of the Trinity, right? Not not just uh, another God um, or not just some impersonal force, right? The Spirit of God is third person of the Trinity. God in the third person. God in the third person. And so for us, right, in order to position ourselves for revival, we've got to choose to trust in his promises. What that means is this. Hey, believing in Jesus isn't only just about trusting in uh, uh, who Jesus is, but it's also trusting that what he said he'll do, he will actually do. It's trusting in his promises. I had a uh, friend uh, back in early high school, and, and maybe some of you can relate. You know, you, you had friends that you loved. Um, but you knew that, man, they were, ah, you know, don't know a better way to say it, but you knew they were a little shady, Brother Devin. You knew they were, you know. And my friend Jock was was like that. He was one of those, quote, unquote, businessmen, if you will. You know, it's like, man, we're 14. How, how are you supposed to be a businessman, entrepreneur? But that's neither here nor there. You know, he was one of those dudes, man. And so he'd always come to school, try to sell stuff. And I remember one time he was looking to uh, to sell, uh, you know, back then, folks at my age, I remember the, uh, one of those PSPs. Remember those PSPs, Brother Ben? One of those PSPs that, hey, you know, they were going for like two seventy five retail. Man, I didn't have that kind of money. So he came and said, hey, hey, Irv, man, hey, I got a PSP, man, right now. I'll sell it to you for $100. And I'm thinking, man, Brother Chris, that sounds like a good deal. But I knew, man, Jock, ah, he wasn't the, you know cleanest guy in the world if you will and so i remember one of my teachers telling me he's like she's like hey you know Irv, man hey you'll, you'll get in trouble if you end up trying to you know uh, buy something that was previously stolen which you know jock was kind of known for being a thief I said well yeah but i mean the price is really good how do we know it's stolen jock was also known as one of those dudes if you know he wanted you to pay up front if you will hey hey Irv, hey I, I got it at the house man go ahead and give me the money now Give me some money now, and I, you know, one of those scheming dudes, man. Maybe one of the dudes you've talked to on the phone, man, you know, one of those guys that called about, you know, sowing seeds for, you know, a thousand bucks, you know, to one of those Nigerian, you know, princes. He might be, that might have been that guy that called or sent you an email. But long story short, I realized, man, hey, because of Jock shadiness, man, I'm not going to trust him with any of my money that I give him. Listen, hey, you know where I'm going, but I'm going to go there anyway. Can I just be honest with you? Hey. There is one whom, hey, we can trust in all that he says will come to will come true. There's one. Hey, when he says it, listen, we can take it to the bank because, man, it's true. It's true. And his name is the Lord. It's the Lord. Second Corinthians 120 puts it this way. 
It says this way. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Man, all the promises found in the Lord, man, are yes and amen. Man, we can trust him. So, hey, the call for us is to trust his promise. You want to experience revival, man? Hey, man, trust in what he says. If you want to experience revival, hey, man, hey, trust that he's able to do what he only he can do. If, hey, if you want to experience revival, position yourself to experience revival. Hey, man, trust that he is able to work in your life. Like I mentioned last week, hey, don't be overly cynical. Don't put God in a proverbial box, in your proverbial box. Man, hey, trust that he's able to do what only he can do. We position ourselves for revival, man, by choosing to trust in his promises. Again, we can't manufacture it, but we sure, man, can prepare for it. Positioning ourselves for revival, man, it's first off starts with us choosing to believe in the Christ. Secondly, right, positioning ourselves for revival. Man, it looks like us choosing to behold uh, the mission that's in front of us. Look at what Luke says here, right? He shifts the scene and he says, so when they came together, he asked them, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria to the ends of the earth. The disciples that were there, man, with Jesus, they were trying to figure out, hey, all right, Jesus, hey, you rose from the dead. Hey, when are you going to start kicking butt and taking names, man, and, and restoring the kingdom of Israel? When, hey, when are you going to overthrow Rome again? Right, and, and, and when are you going to lead and rule? And Jesus said, hey, hey it's not, not for you to know about all that. Right. Matter of fact, hey, I... I Remember what I told you earlier? Hey, I'm about a different kind of kingdom, heavenly kingdom, building a heavenly kingdom. By the way, you're going to get a chance to take part in that. And you're going to by you being my witnesses, man, all over the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When this when the power, man, that comes from the spirit will come upon you. Well, good news is, hey, those of us who know Christ, hey, the spirit's already come. We've got him. And so for us, hey, positioning ourselves for revival is understanding and beholding the mission, the assignment that we've been given from God to be his witnesses and choosing to take part in it. Choosing to take part in it. It's interesting, Pastor Greg, hey, I've seen revival take place, man, when people choose to step out and and be a witness for Christ where they live. Revival takes place, man, whenever we choose to be active in, jumping into relationships, right, and and sharing the gospel with people. God brings forth revival, man. Folks get saved, man, that's revival. It's something to celebrate. And so if we want to position ourselves for revival, we've got to behold the mission. Behold the mission. I remember one time I was one that um, was a part of a uh, uh, a time where the teacher didn't necessarily understand uh, uh, the assignment in my mind. I was in college uh, struggling one semester, so I decided, you know what, I need to take some easy classes to get some easy A's. And... Uh, and so I found out a couple of friends were taking some dance classes, so decided to sign up for them. Swing dancing and ballroom dancing on Tuesday mornings. I said, man, hey, I'm not necessarily one that you would, uh, you know, uh, that I, no one has ever called me twinkle toes. You know, I, hadn't been able, I, had, I don't have any kind of moves, you know, any kind of dance moves. But, I, but I'm going to take it. 
because I need an easy A. So I take the class and I come to find out that the teacher that is teaching the class is actually from my hometown. And so, you know, we break up into our groups and, you know, you know, our partners and start dancing. And Brother Dwayne, she told me that she saw, quote unquote, promise in said, hey, hey, you, hey, Irv, you, man, you got some potential. Man, I, I'm going to stretch you a little bit, man. Hey, I, hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, uh, try to uh, grow you, you know, as a dancer. And I'm sitting there thinking, Brother Jim, hey, I'm just in here to get an A just like everybody else. I'm not I'm not trying to learn how to dance. I'm just trying to get an A. But, man, the, the class ended up being a lot tougher. Legit, one class, the, the ballroom dancing class, there was a girl in there that was like a legit, a professional dancer. And the teacher parted me up with her. Hey, listen, I, I need you to learn how to lead the dance. I'm thinking, ma'am, I'm just trying to get an A. I'm just, literally, I just thought that if I showed up, I'd be able to get an easy A. Listen, the teacher, man, she, she didn't understand this. I'm blessed God, I, I did get an A, but I had to work hard for it, Brother Steve. I had to work hard for it. But I say all that to say this in the same way. Hey, listen, don't be like my dad's teacher. Man, hey, understand the assignment. Man, behold the mission. Behold the mission that, man, we are called to be folks, man, that are witnesses for him. Called to be witnesses for him. Luke shares some specifics about the assignment, what we must come to understand as his uh, people. Uh, the first truth that we've got to come to understand is, yes, we are all witnesses. Right. Jesus says this, that uh, uh, that you will be my witnesses, you in the original language there. That's that's second person plural, second person plural. So if you know grammar, right, he's saying you all the disciples that are there, all of you guys that are there. And by the way, not just those disciples that are there in that context. It's all of us, all of us in here who are disciples of Christ. You all are called to be witnesses or like how we like to say in Texas, y'all, y'all are called to be witnesses for him. All of us, all of us. Men are called to be witnesses for him. It's not just the job of the preacher, not just the job of the deacon, not just the job, as I mentioned last week, for the extrovert. All of us in here are called to be witnesses, man. That y'all applies, man, to you as well. And so what does that look like for you? Second Corinthians 520 says it this way. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ making or God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Man, this call is for all uh, of us. So what does that look like in your life? Listen, can, can I just be honest with you today? Can I just be honest with you? Listen. Man, if, you, if you're one that's struggling to be a witness, and, and we all are, right? It's, it's not a natural thing. We, we need the Lord's help in this every single day. Listen, if you're one that's not engaging or participating in being a witness for Christ, number one, man, you're probably never going to see revival take place in your life. But two, man, hey, you're being di- we're being directly dis- disobedient to him and the call that he's given us. And so what does that look like for you, man? The call for us is to be a witness for him. Be a witness for him. Understanding the assignment, beholding the mission is about us being, understand that we're all witnesses. But it's also this. It's us understanding, I mean, the need and being aware of the need. Jesus says that we're called to be witnesses Man, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, man. Great need. There's need everywhere. That's what Jesus said. Hey, you, hey, you're, this gospel message is going to spread to the whole earth. Whole earth. And, man, you, us, are called to, man, take part in that. We've got to be aware of the need. Man, the need's everywhere. It's everywhere. Jesus himself said it himself, man, in Matthew 9. 
Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Laborers are few. And so pray to the Lord for the harvest. And by the way, hey, you're praying for yourself. Hello. Pray for yourself. You may say, Pastor Irv, I'm not called to uh, missions or going overseas. Yeah, you may not be called, man, to go overseas, but you may be called to go across the street. Here, let me make it a little more personal. Hey, you definitely called, parents in here, you're definitely called, man, to go across the hall. Minister, minister to your kid. Your kid. kid that is lost, may not know the Lord, man. Definitely called to go across the hall, man. Share with them, encourage them. That may be your mission for you. Couple in here without any kids, man. Hey, that, that neighbor across the street, man, that may be your mission for you. That, that person you work with may be your mission for you. Hey, we're all called, man, to be witnesses. Let me go ahead and say one more thing, and then I'll move on to the last point, I promise you. Hey, hey, listen. None of us are exempt from it. Hey, until the Lord calls us home, man, we're called to be witnesses for him. Might, hey, might know the Lord for a long, might have known the Lord for a long time. May know a lot of Bible. But listen, man, none of us are exempt. In a great way that we're motivated and to be a witness for him is to be aware of, man, the very present need that's in front of us. So many people in need of the hope of Christ. And so the call for us is to be aware of the need. Be aware of the need. We've got to believe in the Christ. If by, you know, we position ourselves for revival by believing in the Christ. We position ourselves for revival by beholding the mission. And then thirdly and lastly, listen, hey, we position ourselves for revival by choosing to bow in prayer. Choosing to bow in prayer. After Jesus ascends into heaven, which, by the way, man, what a picture there. Man, imagine being there. Imagine being there. Ask the staff this morning as we pray before the service starts. Man, imagine being one of those disciples there seeing Jesus, man, shoot up, ascend into heaven like that. I'd probably be stuck staring too, Brother Jake. And an angel come and say, hey, listen, hey, why, why are you continuing to stare? Man, hey, Jesus is going to come back down, man, same way he went up. Hallelujah. He is coming back again, by the way. And so go and do what he's told for you to do. And then we see verses 12 through 14 here. They respond, man. When they went back into Jerusalem, they had entered and went up into the upper room, a place of quiet, essentially, is the significance of that, a place to get alone. By the way, we all need to have that. What does that look like in your life, man? That, hey, that, that upper room, man, where you get alone to dwell with the Lord. May, may say, Pastor Irv, but I, you know, I don't have much time. You understand? I got, you know, all these kids. Well, hey, even, hey, even if it's five minutes, man, man, that time alone with him is needed. What's your upper room look like? It says that they went off to the upper room. All the disciples were there. And then it says in verse 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, to prayer together with the women. If we want to see revival take place, if we want to position ourselves for when the winds of revival come, the rain of revival comes, man, we must choose to bow down before the Lord and pray earnestly and for that revival to come. And I love some of these quotes by some of these theologians that speak to uh, revival, right? The great pastor and, and uh, revivalist, prayer warrior, Jim Cimbala, right? He says this, 
Prayer begets revival, which begets more prayer. At the end of the day, man, that prayer is where it starts. It's where it starts. Begets revival, which begets more prayer. Hey, you want to see revival take place in your life? Hey, first start out by praying. Pray. I love what Warren Wearsby says in regards towards uh, prayer. He says this, prayer is both the thermometer and the thermostat of the local church. For the spiritual temperature either goes up or down depending on how God's people pray. Man, that's a quote, isn't it? It's the thermometer and the thermostat of the church. And we must choose to pray. We position ourselves for for revival by choosing to humble ourselves and pray. Uh, The uh, writer Luke here, he says that these disciples, man, they devoted themselves to pray. Hey, it wasn't just a drive-by prayer. Hello. Hey, it wasn't just a prayer over a meal every once in a while. It says that they devoted themselves to pray. That word devoted in the original language literally speaks to set out. They were intentional about it. They were persistent in it. They continuously prayed and sought the Lord, man. Pray for direction, guidance, and ultimately for the coming of the Holy Spirit, man. Hey, they devoted themselves to it. Can that be said of our prayer life? I know for me, man, it's, it's a struggle. Struggle. I'm more uh, along the lines of that person, man, that, that is a drive-by prayer. Hey, to pray to God whenever I need something. Which, hey, we ought to go to him with our request. Hey, hey, you know, pray to God whenever, man, I know something's going wrong in my life. But bless God, man, we ought to be folks that are devoted to it. Devoted to it. What does your prayer life look like? What's it look like? First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says it like this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing or stopping. Give Thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Man, we ought to be devoted to prayer, man. We ought to be devoted to seeking the Lord, man, and asking for him to bring revival in our life. And then it also says here that these disciples didn't just devote themselves to prayer, but it said that they decided to be of one accord. If if you're not careful, you'll miss it there. It says all these that were there with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. Man, they were united together in prayer. Not just devoted, but they were united in prayer. It's interesting how, man, prayer, man, it unites us together. Again, put yourself in this place here. You've got these disciples. Man, just over a month ago, hey, they they uh, were running away from Jesus. They were denying Christ. Right? You've got folks like Peter, man, who was most known for denying Christ. Yeah, we see that he gets restored. But imagine being in that place. They could have just been waiting there. And, and one of them said, you know, he, one uh, one disciple, man, James, you know, hits Philip and says, hey, man. Dude, man, you know, Peter, dude, hey, I know we kind of ran away from from Jesus, man, whatever we were getting accused. But hey, that that dude, Peter, legit denied him three times. I bet he doesn't get this whole, you know, he doesn't get the full feeling of the spirit, man. We'll probably get more of the spirit than he does. I imagine myself being in that room and I'll, hey, I'll just be honest with you, I'll probably struggle with, with not being petty in that moment. Yeah, as we're just kind of waiting for Christ to get there. But it says, man, that, that they all got there and they were in unison together, man, choosing to pray, seek the heart of God. Man, they were of one accord. One accord. It's interesting how prayer unites us together. Saw that take place last Sunday night, man, with our prayer night here. 
All types of folks coming in, man. Different backgrounds, different upbringings. Hey, different struggles in their life. Different skin colors. Coming together, man, under the banner of Christ to pray. To pray. As the church, we ought to be united in prayer. United with one purpose, to seek the Lord in prayer. United in one purpose in this context, man, hey, to ask for the Lord to bring revival rain. And to stir in our hearts, man, a desire to seek him more deeply. We position ourselves for revival by choosing to be people that believe in the Christ. Believe in the Christ, man. Do you believe in him? We position ourselves for revival, man, by choosing to be people who behold his mission. Hey, do you understand the assignment? Do you understand that the mission to be a witness for him applies to you as well? That y'all includes you? And positioning ourselves for revival, man, looks like us choosing to bow our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Hey, what does your prayer life look like? Is it more of a drive-by prayer or is it one that is persistent, devoted, man? May it choose to be. The latter. I'll end with this quote from Leonard Ravenhill that says this, as long as we are content to live without revival, we will. I believe I'll read that one more time. Hey, as long as we're content to live without revival, we will. We will. Hey, as long as you're content with just being one man that hey, is all good about the Status quo Christian life, one that that isn't interested in, man, going deeper with the Lord, one that isn't interested in growing in the grace and knowledge of him. Hey, you will. You will. But, man, can I encourage you? That's not what the Lord has for you or wants for you. At the end of the day, man, he wants for us, man, to grow in him. And that starts with us choosing to position ourselves for revival the wind of the lord is blowing man he moves when he wills the call for us is to position ourselves for his coming as those followers of jesus did in acts one and so the question is will you will you